And the person interviewing me wrote those words down, looked up from his piece of paper and said to me, so do you think we're going to like that? Yeah, I, I do what I do today, Kathy, because of a fourth grade field trip. No credit to me, just me fumbling along with what I knew at the time and the dog being very forgiving of my mistakes. Hey there, everybody. I'm Kathy Brooks, your host for Talk Unleashed, the weekly untethered view of what communication can really look like when we're prepared to be radically honest, radically authentic, and radically compassionate. Conscious communication. It's what I coach, it's what I do, and each week on the podcast, that's what I get to share. Sometimes just my musings and sometimes in conversation with remarkable human beings. Today's guest is Dr. Judith Rich. I introduce her in the episode, so I'm just going to let us get to it. Grab a bowl of popcorn, get a really comfortable chair because you are not gonna wanna miss a minute of it. Welcome to Talk Unleashed. Welcome back to another episode, a very, very, very special episode of Talk Unleashed. I'm Kathy Brooks. You know me, you know me, I'm your host. And this week I am here with someone who um, has become so important to me in the last several years since I've had the pleasure of meeting her, um, has become like family, a teacher, a mentor, a guide, has grabbed me by the scruff of my neck when I need it with an ever so gentle loving shake and um, has a way of delivering an honest, fiercely compassionate, no bullshit feedback um, <laughs> in a way that has just transformed my life. And I am talking about Dr. Judith Rich. Dr. Judith Rich is one of the pioneers in the field of transformational leadership. She has been in this work and is this work for coming up around 50 years now. So she began when she was just a baby and <laughs> just a baby. And she has led large groups and small groups and on pretty much every continent of the planet in so many different countries. And when I think about the network effect reach of the number of people that Judith has touched in her life, it has to be at this point in the hundreds of thousands, if not greater. She is the author of the international best-selling book, Beyond the Box, Lean Out, Break Free and Rise Up, which was published in 2018. And if you're looking for a handy dandy toolbox that you can keep on your desk and write notes in it and underline stuff and come back to as a guidebook on how to invent yourself, reinvent yourself, build courage, create the life that you're looking for, this would be a good one to add to your desk. And Judith says, we are evolving into a new species of humans who no longer have comfort as an option. We must learn to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Judith's own podcast, on which I had the great pleasure of being a guest recently, The New Beyond. You can find it, same spots you find this one, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. And she invites us to go beyond where we think we can go. If you're at the edge of where you're uncomfortable, push a little harder, go just a little farther. Her website, all of the contact information, it's all going to be in the show notes. And Judith, I am just so thrilled you're here. I'm so excited. Well, likewise, Kathy, I am too. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I have to say, I, I am I am so impressed with how you took the written 
um, the the written piece that I gave you in terms of my my background and my experience. And in 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 a way that only you can do, wove it into a narrative and a story. I I want to take what you just said and package that. <laughs> well, that as a matter great. of fact, I'll, I'll give you a transcript. I'll give you a transcript. Of okay, it you'll, awesome. feel free to use it. Feel free I, to use liberally. <laughs> I, I'm thrilled to be here, my dear. So, Judith, one of the things when we were talking a little about like what can we talk about today? Because one of the things I know to be true is that a conversation with you touches on everything. Mm-hmm. I've had the great pleasure when I first got to meet you in person last year. Um, I think it was three hours that we've walked the dogs and sat and had breakfast. And we had a long conversation over lunch that there is there is no topic that is off limits. There is Everything is so rich. So how do we distill that down into something for a podcast. So since Talk Unleash, it is about looking at people's why, really not what they do, but why they do it and how they came to it. What I'd love to know, especially since you've been in the field you've been in as long as you have now, what is your why and and how has it changed or has it changed in that time? Great question. I love the question and interesting for me to think of it in those terms because I don't normally think in terms of a why. I normally think in terms of a purpose, of a calling. Uh, And and so I think they're pretty much interchangeable. The idea of why am I here? Why am I on the planet, right? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, So let me back up a minute and say that I think that the context of a human being's why, our collective whys, I think they're all the same. I think we all come with basically the same why, but how we express that why, how we demonstrate that why is unique and creative. Uh, you know, given the, the the interesting combination of gifts and talents that we all come in with, you know, so my my why, the generic why, I would say, that I think is common to all human beings is, is I am here for completion. I am here, my why is to come to know who I am, the authentic me, the um the who I am at the level of spirit and soul the true my true nature i think we've all come for that with that curriculum if you will it is to complete and come to completion and come to know who we are and specifically in my particular case i would say that if i take my little slice of why Based on my experience of nearly 50 years, not quite, I'm approaching it. I'm not quite there. But based on my experience, looking back, I would say it is my why is to be an agent of awakening. An agent of, or let's say a midwife of consciousness. My why is to midwife myself into uh a greater, higher, 
more expansive consciousness, understanding of who I am, and to be an agent of awakening of human being into its its own recognition of the truth of, of who people are. I'm here to be a catalyst for that. And I think that we all basically are doing the same thing. Uh, we're doing it in different ways. You know, some of us are doing it through music and art and writing and teaching and and uh, birthing, you know, health, nursing and doctoring and mothering, parenting, all the things that we're at the doing level. And I think we're all here to accomplish our own version of pretty much the same thing. So. So I noticed when I, yeah, when I said the thing about how many people you've touched, like I think about that network effect that within the realm of the people who you have touched, I know you talk about being a billionaire. I remember this in the training very clearly that this idea of, you know, I could coach someone who becomes president of the United States or they, they give birth to, or their great grandchild is president of the United States. And so, or CEO of a corporation or another Maya Angelou like that, that somewhere in the network or the person that I coach could then coach someone or be a sibling to someone that each person I touch. And so you've literally touched hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people on this planet. Indirectly, yes. Directly and indirect, you know, whether direct, indirect, all of it. Mm -hmm. That the, I always love when I'm speaking to someone and I hear them say something and I know they've been in a training room with you (laughs) because I hear your voice. I hear a phrase that I've heard from you, (laughs) some of which is your generation and some of which is something that you may have heard from someone else and pass on. And yeah. And so one might argue, you know, you're where you are at the stage in your life. Like a lot of people, they're slowing down. They're, you know, mm-hmm. they're like, now I can work part time. Or and if anything, you seem to really be throttling forward. <laughs> like if anything, you're like, let's see how much more I can do if I've already done this. And <laughs> and so, what is that fuel for you? Like when you when what is it that fires you up? so much. I've seen your face in a training room. I've seen how you shift when you see the person getting it, when you see that light bulb coming on. What's that like for you? You know, that's uh, you're, you're asking me such great questions, Kathy. No one has really ever asked me that question before. So I love this conversation. So a couple of things. I think my fundamental nature is one of fire. So let me point to two things. One, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And the the emotion of eights is passion. And I think I have been, I think passion has been embedded in me. It's been planted in me. Passion for, you know, whatever I sink my teeth into, I'm passionate about it. And, And the other point is that um, I am an Aries moon and Aries is fire. It's a fire sign. And I am a double Aquarius. 
uh, I am sun and rising in Aquarius. And Aquarius is the sign of transformation. So Aries is the warrior. And pioneer. Aries is both the warrior and the pioneer. Aries is a leader. So when I put all of that together, it's like I, I, I can't be anything other than that. It's been, it's embedded in me that I am here to be a warrior for transformation. I could also say to be an agent, a warrior for ushering in uh, the New Beyond, if I could give a shameless plug for my own podcast, the New Beyond being that place in consciousness that lies beyond ideas of normal and abnormal, right, wrong, you know, the old paradigm, you know, the be- beyond is a, is a creation of consciousness that's based on the idea that we are here as human beings to evolve. And and to do it in consciousness, in collaboration, not in competition. So that one shift, if we make that one shift as humanity from competition, which is the source of separation, to collaboration, which is the source of unity, ultimately, we are all here to discover that our true nature is one of union is is oneness and that's what aquarius is you know it's ruled by the planet uranus which is the union of opposites masculine and feminine so i feel that i am here to be an agent of that consciousness it's i came in with it it's never changed for me you ask me how is my why changed it's never changed for me, although the expression, my expression of it has changed. I began as a school teacher. Yeah. Believe it or not, I began teaching kindergarten. Can you believe that? I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like to be in a kindergarten, like, because of course I know the Judith today. And like, <laughs> I don't know the Judith that was a kindergarten teacher. Um, and I'm trying to remember. I actually remember my kindergarten teacher very clearly. Um, she was Miss Blitzer and she became, no, she was Miss Schmerling. She became Mrs. Blitzer because she got married while, while I was in kindergarten. And um, I can picture her face. Yeah. And she was, um, I imagine that she's probably the kind of kindergarten teacher that you would have been, which was, it was love and joy and there were rules and there were structure. And like, there was definitely like a, here's how the, here's how this is going to roll kids. But, <laughs> but there was a framework to it. And in that framework, we could be endlessly creative. Oh, Cause, yes. Cause she gave us these yes. really safe bumpers that we could bang around in. Absolutely. You know, I, I was in my twenties when I taught kindergarten. So this is me fresh out of college, my first teaching job, well, my first teaching job, actually my, my bachelor and master's degrees are in special education. So I taught special education very briefly. Back in those days, it was called um, orthopedically handicapped children. This was way, way, way back in the 60s we're talking about. 
So these were children who were like cerebral palsy, hydrocephalic, um, spina bifida, all these kids with real uh, major, major physical um, issues. Yeah. Orthopedically challenged. Like orthopedically, they, were they were literally physically challenged. Orthopedically challenged. And I did my student teaching. I haven't thought about this in a million years. I did. I went to Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is the home of, I don't even know if it still exists, but I, you may not even recognize the name. But back in those days, Upjohn was a very big pharmaceutical company. Uh and Upjohn was headquartered in Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. Hmm. So I did my student teaching at the Upjohn School, which was a special school for physically challenged kids. And I, you know, when it was my turn to be on duty to kind of just be the hall monitor as the kids were getting off the bus and arriving and making their way, and they were either in wheelchairs or they were with crutches or they were being pushed by AIDS or all the various things that were involved. You know, I remember one kid, I, these kids were so cute. You know, kids were falling down all the time. And one kid was just so excited to see me that morning. He got going faster than his crutches could really handle him. And he did a face plant on the floor right in front of me. And I looked at him and I said, safe. You know, like he was diving for right, third for diving base for or base. first base. Oh, I'll bet he laughed. And and that was, you know, that was me in those days. If I can, you know, another as I went into kindergarten, it was all about discovery with those with these kids. You know, they're they're five years old. They're like bright and sparkly and curious. And so, you know, I brought things into the classroom, hatching eggs. We we incubated, oh, get this. We incubated eggs for several weeks. And on the night of open house, and they're, they're all inside of an incubator. And on open house night, the eggs began to hatch. And so here are the parents coming through to check out what their kids are doing in kindergarten, as only kindergarten parents can be curious about. And the eggs are hatching and little chicks are peeking out. And it was amazing. Well, those chicks grew up. And so now we've got 12 little baby chicks in the room. And so what was I going to do with them? Somehow or other, and I don't remember how this happened, I sourced a brooder, a huge brooder. I don't know where it came from. Fortunately, I had a kindergarten classroom that was so big, we had room for this enormous brooder, which had this huge hood over the top and heat lamps underneath. So the chicks were warm. Well, eventually, the chicks began flying. And so now here in the classroom are these little baby chicks that are now popping up and flying around. And the principal came in one day and the principal said to me, Judith, either these chicks go or you go. Oh. <laughs> Come on, spoil so, sport. Give them a, yeah. give them a, give them a, give them a roost. 
<laughs> well, so the chicks, the chicks found new homes. Oh. The chicks got to find new homes. But the uh, what's the point of me telling? You know, it's it's my why. I'm like bringing adventure and discovery into these into the lives of these kids. And so through one means or another, that my life has been an expression of that. Mm. So one of the things that popped into my head as you were speaking, having been through transformational leadership coaching of which you were of which you were a huge part that is of course a you know a program that has three phases there's mm-hmm. kind of three levels of the training and there's you know kind of a discovery initial phase there's a you know middle phase that's a little more disruptive there's the longer phase that's mm-hmm. you know called a longer term practice which is where you and I encountered but I know in the in the early stages of your work in transformational mm-hmm. leadership you were doing all of the parts of it in that yeah. so what parallels can you see? Because in this transformational work, people really do become, in a way, reborn. And to be clear, folks, I'm not talking about like reborn religious rebirth. I'm talking about discovering childhood stuff and connecting back to the things in your childhood that brought you joy, finding the things from your childhood that maybe aren't so joyful and really sorting yeah. them and getting them out of the way. But mm-hmm. I'd imagine for you in that discovery, in, in watching people go through that transformation, that there were a lot of parallels for you. Oh, good grief. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what, what is it that would have me still doing this work all these years later? And that would be that I am continuously in that journey of discovery myself. And so it's not just that I'm there on the mountaintop looking out over, you know, the troops doing their work, but I am on the journey, on my own journey, paralleling people, that I am as much a student as anybody in the in the room. And not only about my own process, you know, personally inner but my own ability to be effective as a leader. I mean, working in all of the different countries that I have, in the different languages, in the different cultures, and through interpreters, was an amazing experience because to connect with people at such a deep, intimate level through an interpreter required that I dig deep inside and find new ways to express whatever it was I was teaching or we were we were exploring that had relevance and meaning in whatever culture. Mm. So that really required me to constantly, it was always outside the box for me. You know, it was just always outside the box. Uh, so living living beyond the box um living in the new beyond my life has been um a message always about living outside the box living in the new beyond i think transformation is a never ending process it's not like i'm done i'm not done and and I don't ever anticipate and I don't ever want to be done because I think that human being, obviously myself included, but human being is, and you know, I say this to people, 
who we are at the level of our being is infinite potential. We are infinite potential unfolding. And that's that's the journey that we're on, is to continue to be curious about the unfolding of our potential, curious about, you know, who we are. There's a deepening and ever deepening process. It's never ending. And some people might think about that and go, oh, dear Lord. I mean, when does this end? It's enough already. But for me, I can't get enough of it because I know that there's always more. Now, I'm not, it's not something that I'm chasing. I'm not chasing it. I mean, I think that I have in the past, but as I've matured, shall we say, (laughs) uh, both age-wise and just experience-wise, I've come to a place where uh, I, I think I'm more, the big lesson that I work on in my life always is about receiving. You know, it's about, it's, it's, it's not, it's the feminine principle. It's the allowing principle as opposed to the masculine principle, which is the, you know, the manifesting, the, the chasing, you know, I, I've spent a lot of, because I was brought up in a largely masculine context in this work. I have two older brothers. I w- I'm the youngest in my family. My older brothers pretty much dictated the environment in our home in a pretty challenging way, I'll say. And so all of those things uh, shaped me early on. Uh, And so now in these more mature years, I'm 81. um, I I actually, you know, when I say 81, it's like, it sounds, you know, I can hear the words. I can look at the number. I don't, I don't have any actual relationship on a physical, a mental, emotional uh, uh, level of being in my 80s. Uh, you know, as I look, if I compare myself, which is never a good idea, <laughs> you know, it's never a good idea to be in comparison. <laughs> Um, but I, I feel very, very blessed. And I think that it has been my lifelong devotion to this work and the work of transformation that has really kept me young. It's been my lifelong commitment to being in service to my why, if you will, that has kept me vibrant and passionate, um, and fed me. I'm fed. You know, I so that's the work for me is to continuously open, allow, receive, allow myself to be fed, allow myself to be nurtured, um, allow myself to receive. And hopefully I'm not repeating myself right now. <laughs> well, the, the the points that you've circled back to are all the kinds of things that I don't think that one can hear often enough for it to, 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 to emphasize how important it is. Um, 
the one thing that comes up and it's one of the things that I, among the, the litany of things that I adore about you and respect about you is the, your present tense active verb experience, how you are present active tense. You talk about yourself as transform ing present tense, active, not transformed oh, past yeah. tense, that oh, the yeah. work is always done. And, and you and I have talked about this before, but I, I think about what really comes up for me is around the humility of it, because it's very easy. And I think it's, you know, it's one thing to be the vessel of the work, to be the channel for the work, to be the messenger of the work, and to start thinking that maybe you are the work, mm. right? And that, mm. which, you know, that, when you have people who 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 pay homage to your wisdom, people who you know say the wonderful things that I've, I imagine you hear from others that I know that I've been present to hear people say that, kind of keeping yourself in check in that process to stay in that place of humble servant's heart. What's what's because you're human, right? And it feels good when people say nice stuff. And at the same time, to remain in that humility of, of I am, I am, but the channel for this. I am not this. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think it's the difference between being heart centric versus egocentric. Um, you know, one of my early learnings as a trainer in this work. One of, yeah, one, one of the early coachings that I received was to get myself out of the way. I mean, that's that that's my job to be an effective leader is to get myself out of the way so that I can actually be present for another or be present for what wants and needs to happen in a room full of people. You know, so I it's kind of an interesting uh it's it's an interesting concept. Getting oneself out of the way is getting your personality, getting your ego, uh, getting your own thoughts and feelings out of the way. And at the same time, there's this idea that everyone and everything is a reflection of you. <laughs> So while I'm getting myself out of the way, at the same time, I'm seeing myself being echoed out there in others. So it's a very interesting experience in so many ways. I'm seeing the parts of myself that I like and that I, uh, you know, that, that that I accept. And I'm seeing the parts of myself I don't accept, the parts of myself I reject mirrored out there. And I've come to learn that everything is my teacher, right? So um, to be a perpetual student, you know, you, you, you talked about humility. I think to, to be in beginner's mind, I know that these are terms that people that you've used and people, I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast hear this term, you know, this Buddhist term of beginner's mind. But it's, I think it's a legitimate thing, you know, to be in beginner's mind. Um, Einstein said, I know nothing. Einstein, 
You know, I know nothing. The more he said, the more I learn, the less I know. And I, I, I absolutely subscribe to that. The more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. The more I learn, the more I realize how much more there is to know. And so it's a humbling place to be, to understand, you know, to to come from the humility of this vast field of possibility of which we are all a part of which of which we are made you know we're from the field we're from the unified field of potential and we are potential that's come into form and so we're here doing the best we can to figure it out and we don't ever get to a place where we've got it all figured out not if we're not if we're awake now mm-hmm. we can we can kind of numb ourselves out and people do you know human beings do that through so you know we, so many we don't different even ways. Need to go into the out yeah. all the different mechanisms that we use to numb ourselves out uh and if one's purpose if one's reason if one's why if you will is to be an agent of awakening well that certainly includes myself and so now do i am i always successful am i 100% awake at every moment <laughs> no i started to say hell no agent yeah, you can you can say that here we have can a, we have a mild, here? we have a mildly mildly salty i mean hi oh, have you have my- you met me <laughs> <laughs> well I think if they're you know listening to Exactly. I, I clean up my language when I do podcasts. Appropriately, it's like salt <laughs> as a as as a seasoning. Appropriately sprinkled, it's very useful. Yeah. Well, it's like sweet and sour. You know, <laughs> soup would be really boring if it was only sweet. Right. It's the sour that really makes right. it interesting. <laughs> the spice of life. Yeah, and you know, human beings are like that. I think we need to. Um, we need to be open to the salty, bitter, sour uh, elements of who we are. It's not only about the sweet and the nice and the easy and the comfortable. It's, in fact, our attachment to those things is what keeps us limited, is what keeps us small. Well, we also live in a society today, you know, where we're told, especially for young girls, it's gotten nominally better, but in some ways nominally better and in some ways catastrophically worse given social media and what happens there with how we're supposed to look, what we're supposed to do, this incessant uh, comparison of myself to other people, this curated life lived online yeah. Yeah. in a world that's not real. Um, you know, and I, I have had to be very mindful as someone in recovery, the, the, the inclination to get sucked into mm. a social media, mm. just looking at it and just feeling like feeling my soul being crushed while I'm doing it, that yeah. I have to meter it. You know, if I want, if I didn't need it to stay connected to some people who I care about very much. Yeah. 
and to also for the work that I do to use Mm -hmm. it as tools for, I, I forget about all of it altogether and be very happy. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. So let me ask you this. So you're in the present tense active verb, as we've discussed, Mm -hmm. what are some more recent ahas that you've had some learnings or a lesson that landed in a new way or an experience that you had that, wow, I thought I, I thought I had sorted that one. Guess I didn't sort that one. Um, is there anything that comes to mind that's of, of recent memory? Wow. I I feel stumped in the moment, which is not to say that there aren't those things. Um, So I'm remembering, so I actually, there is a a conversation you and I had, this is weeks ago now, and I think I talked to you and you were feeling a little under the weather. It was just, it was like an under the weather sort of day, which is unusual for you. You've got lots of energy. You're up before the sun, you're up and out, you walk every day. And, and I recall you're sharing with me like that you were just kind of navigating what was going on. Like, so when you get into like a, a, when something normal is not normal, or when you come up against something where the way you've been doing something maybe has to shift on a given day, mm. um, what's that like for you? Well, what comes to mind for me is a recent, a fairly recent experience I had a few weeks ago of, <laughs> so let me just step back and set a little context for this. I am, you know, I am physically active. I have a lot of energy. I often have more energy than anybody in the room, which is a bit strange for somebody my age. My kid, I have more energy than my 50-year-old daughters, two of two of them. <laughs> so this is not surprising to me at all, by the <laughs> by, by the way, like just yeah, to be clear. <laughs> and, and I don't sleep a lot. I mean, if I sleep six hours a night, that is a big night of sleep for me. Um, and I walk three to four miles every day. So I'm fit, I'm energetic, I'm active, I'm out walking every single day. My cardio, my heart is strong. You know, my car, I have, I'm very fit in that, in that sense. And so on the day when I found myself barely able to make it home from my normal walk, I'm gasping for air. I'm my, my breathing is short and fast. I can't get enough breath and I could barely make it home. I'm wondering what the hell is going on. So I get home and I, you know, go to my Apple watch and I check my heart rate and it's high, higher than normal. And I'm, I'm now home and it's still elevating. It's not going, I'm not recovering. So, you know, I send a message to my, uh, my doc and I say, I think I need to have my heart checked or something's going on here. And so she said, well, you know, go to the nearest ER. And I thought, so see, here's, here's me. I don't need to go to some ER. I don't need to do that. I'm going to do that. (laughs) 
you know, it's like when I had a basal cell carcinoma and the dermatologist said, you need to have Mohs surgery. And I said, I'm not having Mohs surgery. When I had a breast cancer diagnosis, stage zero DCIS, ductal carcinoma in situ, you know, non-invasive. And they said, well, you need a mastectomy. I'm like, I'm not having a mastectomy. So I'm, you know, I'm... I'm really not big on Western medicine and the, and the traditional, you know, medical allopathic medical approach, but things on this day with the heart thing are not getting better. And finally, the doctor's office called me and said, you need to get to the ER immediately. So, okay. So I take, I drive myself to the ER. Of course, <laughs> of course, my you do. first mistake. I have to park in. I park in the parking garage at the hospital. I could barely make it walking across the street to the entrance to the ER. That's how out of breath I was. So I I know that I'm I'm not I'm I'm having a problem here. So I get into the hospital and they do the uh, initial intake stuff. And now I sit. I'm sitting for four hours in the waiting room of the ER, waiting to be seen, waiting for them to do whatever they were going to do. Finally, they come in and they take me and they're doing some tests. They take me in a room. Now I'm in this other room for another three hours. And they've, you know, they've done x-rays and they've done blood workup and they've done all this stuff. And a nurse comes in. Finally, I still haven't seen a doctor. Finally, a nurse comes in. She looks at my leg. She says, what's going on with your leg? Now, I'm thinking it's all about my heart, but she's looking at my leg. My leg is bright red and it's swollen from the knee down. She says, have you got a sunburn? No, no. And so she says, oh, I think you might have an infection in your leg. So finally, after seven and a half hours, a doc comes in. She's got all the reports and the workups and everything. And she says, you've got a bacterial infection. And now I'm thinking of Madonna. Madonna was spent like a week in the ER with a bacterial infection. You've got a bacterial infection. So we need to treat this because it's kind of preceptic. And that, that was messing with my heart. My heart, yeah. So, you know, they treat it with, antibiotics. I'm on two weeks of antibiotics and and follow up with a cardiologist and doing all the, you know, it turns out my heart is fine. It was, wasn't my heart. It was this bacterial infection in my leg. Now you want to talk about humbling, you know, and in my own stubbornness, in my own righteousness, And all the things that had me in resistance to getting medical attention and paying attention to it. Oh, my God. You know, this was a huge wake-up call for me. I'm like, hello. You know, shit happens, sweetheart. (laughs) Pay attention. We need to be on top of, you know, the vulnerability of something that quick, something that fast 
that can take a person down, particularly at my age. I don't even know how I got this infection. You know, they said to me, well, you could have been a bug bite. It could have been a little cut in your leg, bacteria. I have no idea how I got this. But, you know, so the question was, you know, this aha, the aha for me was, sweetheart, I'm talking to myself now, sweetheart, you're vulnerable. Don't, don't forget you're a human being. You're vulnerable. You're not impenetrable. Shit happens and shit can happen to you too. So don't go getting all on your high horse and thinking that you're above all of this because you're not. And it's going to can take you down really fast if you don't pay attention. So it has me, it has me being awake to some of the reality of being 81, that there's a level of fragility and vulnerability at my age that I see a lot of people going through. In fact, one of my dearest friends on the planet is going through right now. She's a little bit younger than I am, but, and somehow I, you know, I've got this warrior, you know, charge on impenetrability, very masculine, not cool, not cool at all. So I'm subject to the laws of gravity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're aware of that. So like, don't, don't jump off of it. I mean, you are much an angel in people's lives, but please don't jump from something thinking you're going to fly. You will be the the rules of gravity will apply to you. Like I did when I was seven. (laughs) Wait. Okay. So you jumped off something because you thought you could fly. Yes. You were seven. Heard that story. I don't think I've heard this story. I want to hear the story. Oh gosh. I've told this story, I'm sure, on several other uh venues. But okay, so long story short, I always used to have flying dreams as a child. And I talked about these dreams with my older brother, who's six years older than I. And one day he said to me, Well, you can fly, you know. And I said, Oh, how does that how, how can I do that? He said, well, you just need to find someplace high enough and jump off and move your arms, arms really hard and really fast and you'll be able to fly. So I said, oh, okay, good. Well, and so one day he and a group of his boyfriends, there were about three or four of them. They took me to a two-story, a duplex that was on the street behind our house and we went up the back stairs to the up upper level of this duplex. There was a small porch out and back with a railing around this porch and a, an empty lot next door. And they instructed me, now get up on top of this railing and jump and move your arms really hard and really fast and you'll be able to fly. Now, I'm sure they probably thought I would never do it. But... They didn't realize, nor did I. Had, until had that they not time. met you? Had your brother not met you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you had been around for seven years. I can imagine you as a very precocious child. <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't. I, I, I'm just speculating here. I don't think they thought I would actually do it, mm. but I didn't hesitate for a moment. I climbed up on that railing and I jumped. I'm two stories up. 
What did you break? Nothing. Wait, I'm sorry. Nothing. You broke nothing? I broke nothing. So here's the thing. I'm moving my arms really hard and really fast as I'm falling straight down. Now, this is Ohio. It's the spring. The ground is really soft and kind of mushy from all the melted snow. It's really... so. The ground gave underneath me. It was really spongy. And it gave underneath me and I didn't break anything. But here's what was broken. My trust, Mm. my heart. Mm. Those two things got broken that day. Mm. Meanwhile, so I'm there lying on the ground in a heap. Wind is knocked out of me. I'm scared to death. Crying. Here's my brother and his friends. They're still up on this porch and I'm looking up at them and they're laughing, calling me names. What a stupid gullible girl. Nobody came. That was a seminal moment in my life. Hmm. That was a life changing experience. And for many, many years, I was angry I I felt like my trust, I mean, as I grew older, I could tell that my trust in men was damaged, Um, my trust in myself. I mean, I thought I was a stupid, gullible girl to do that, right? And so, you know, as I got to do transformational work, and I got to rethink this episode in my life from a responsible point of view... First of all, I'm the one who chose to ultimately jump. So, you know, that that's the beginning and the end of the responsibility. I'm the one who chose to trust and believe and blah, 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 and all of that. But at another level, here's what I made up about this event, that my brother was a messenger that I can fly. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe at the level of consciousness as we evolve, as we as we develop our own wings, so to speak, our metaphorical wings, we literally do fly in consciousness. And so that realization or the acceptance of that interpretation, which may or may not be true, it doesn't matter. What matters is that I accepted that. And in the acceptance of that, all the anger and the sense of mistrust dissolved. Mm. Talk about power. And that's in fact, yes, that's in fact the power that I invite people to reinterpret all of their victim stories. Cause that was my victim story. I told that as a victim story for years. Mm. And as I share that story with people and the power of reinterpreting our victim stories, wherein we become the author and we take responsibility, uh, it, it requires that we reinterpret that uh, those stories. So what if people... And this is something that's come up a number of times in some of my own client conversations I've been having, some friends who have struggled and just people in kind of in my orbit that I've experienced where, I mean, for some people, their identification with the big T trauma and the little T trauma, right? It doesn't really matter what kind of trauma, like 
trauma is trauma is trauma. It's not a contest. Everybody's trauma is their own trauma. And some people have experienced quantifiably, categorically, catastrophic, unthinkable things um, through their lives. And that Mm -hmm. in some ways they generated kind of patterns of things and that Mm -hmm. they become identified with that trauma. Yeah. And, and breaking that cycle, breaking that, breaking that pattern to release it and, and to do it in a way that then doesn't turn into, well, now I'm going to blame myself for that. Like it just, oh, yeah. it's that damned if you do damned, if you don't sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, what of that? I mean, there are so many people walking through the, they're, they're the walking wounded in the world right now. And, you know, one of the things as someone who's been through, you know, what I look at the beginning part of the entry point of my, my own journey, mm-hmm. the desire to support people in you know, holding up a mirror or shining a spotlight and saying, Hey, it doesn't have to be that way. If you don't want to feel that way, you know, I, I I'm happy to support you. Um, but some people just don't want to let go. Well, I think it's not about not wanting to feel that way. I think it's not want it's not about you don't have to feel that way. Feel that way. I mean, feel have your experience. However, then what? <laughs> then it's about going beyond that. I, I don't think anybody gets through a lifetime without being traumatized. Big T, little T, whatever. I mean, that's kind of endemic to this plane. This plane is really, you know, a a minefield of trauma. And we can spend our life attempting to avoid the mines, but nobody gets through. So it's not about avoiding the trauma or denying the trauma. So, yeah, this thing happened. Wasn't that awful? Okay, great. Now what? Have your feelings, have your experience. And what are you going to do with that? Are you going to use that experience and use those feelings to craft an identity based on that in which you are, you use that as your reason why you don't X, Y, Z, you don't Mm -hmm. fill in the blank, you don't take risks, you don't trust, you don't open, you don't receive, you don't accept because this thing over here happened. Or you can use it as the reason why you do, you know, you, you it, it's all, I think it's based on not what happens to us, but what we do with what happens to us. So mm. we can use those events, those experiences as a catalyst to propel ourselves into a life of being an advocate for, being a champion for, you know, using our own experience. I mean, foundations are created all over the world because people used their their traumatic, their challenges to, you know, become a catalyst for healing for other people. So this happened to me. And now because I've had that experience, I can be a source of healing for others. Yeah, so it's not about 
Yeah. I was going to say Gabor Mate. I've been kind of on a binge, binge role listening to him um, lately. And one of the things that he said that I've heard him say on multiple talks now is that trauma isn't actually the thing that happens to us because the thing that happens is a fixed point thing that happened and it will never change or go away. And it's over. And it's done. Yeah. But it's also, it's our, no matter what work we do about it, doesn't change the fact that it happened, that it was right. a factual event. Yes. That the trauma is actually emotionally, physiologically, spiritually, mentally, what it does to it, us. The trauma is the mark afterwards, not the thing itself. Exactly. And and that differentiation, because if it's the thing itself that is the trauma, I have no hope of healing. I have mm-hmm. no hope of redemption. I have no mm-hmm. hope of release. I have no mm-hmm. hope of any of the because that history point is a point that is fixed back then. Yes. But I am in complete agency because what I hear you talking about, oh, like what's coming up is I am an agent with choice. I can make a choice. I can choose to be this or to be that, to release this or to hold on to that or whatever the case may be. And you have coached me through some very powerful things in my own life in the last, you know, six months. And, you know, on a few very powerful occasions just said, look, you get to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Choose. Mm -hmm. You can make a different choice later. Maybe if you don't like the choice, you can then later make a different choice, but make a choice because sitting in the indecision, sitting in that nether world in between and just kind of letting the feelings be is like sitting in a dirty diaper for like, (laughs) Like, like, oh, the diaper's cold now. So just poop again to make it warm. Like that's not actually, (laughs) the solution is to change the diaper, right? Like, it's not about I'm cold now in the dirty diaper. So I need more warm poop to warm me up. It's I need to take the diaper off and clean the dirty diaper um, and get into something different. It's, um, you know, and uh, well, I'll go with, you know, like, what is it? The lotus flower that grows in shit. I mean, eventually yeah. a blossom will come. Yes. Yeah. And the what darkness. is fertilizer? What is fertilizer? It's manure. And we, and we use it to grow things. And so all of the, I'll say Mishagas, all of the Mishagas of our life, it can be looked upon and used as fertilizer for our growth. And it's all about our mindset, Mm. you know? So it's getting our minds in a place where we're willing to, and getting our consciousness in a place where we're willing. And and this is where the work is, where, where we move through, this thing happened to me, oh dear, how awful to this thing happened for me. Even if in the moment I can't see why that thing happened for me or I can't see the outcome, but just to be in the possibility, how could this be happening for me? What, how can I use this? What can I do with this? How can I interpret this event? such that, that it is here to move me. That what you just said, that was a two by four because one of the experiences that I've had in my own, in my own experience, and I've certainly seen this in some very, very people very close to me who had something happen 
And, you know, and I'm being there, I'm being supportive. And I, you know, I hear them say, you know, I just can't see what the good is in this yet. So then they want to go sit in the shit of it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so what I, what I just heard you say is, even though you can't see, may not mm-hmm. be able to yet see, and mm-hmm. you might not see for years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or maybe even ever, mm-hmm. what the value of it is that by just by saying, I may not know why, I can't figure out why, mm-hmm. but I know there is one. Mm-hmm. And it might be because this shitty thing happened and maybe the shitty thing is just a shitty thing, but the things that happen after it are catalyzed by the shitty thing. So mm-hmm. shitty thing, still shitty, but it gave rise to these other things. Exactly. Yeah. The Buddhists call that dependent originations. That what happens is a result of a multitude of other things happening that are like ping pong balls bouncing off of each other that move the ball, that move the ball in a direction. What Basically what you just said, dependent originations. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't necessarily see the source of what caused the thing to happen. You know, we were in avoidance. We were in denial. We were asleep. We were rejecting. We refused to see whatever. It may be something that happened several events ago that had a ripple effect. Um, so, yeah, what I, I totally, you know, I totally agree what you just said. The other thing I wanted, you talked about choice. I think choice is a superpower that people spend a lot of time thinking they don't have. You know, mm-hmm. the mindset that, well, I had no choice. I had to do X, Y, Z because I had no other choice. No, we always have choice. So the the mindset that I always have choice, I might not see in the moment the optimal choice or another alternate choice other than the one I think is the only one I have. And it's not a good one. But but, but to be in the consciousness of choice, I cho- so first of all, I choose this thing no matter how shitty or bad it is in the moment, I must choose it before I can move past it. Mm. So choosing what is, is not an ending. It's a beginning. It's a place to begin. This might be another two by four or a little light bulb going off. Listeners, listen up here. You always have choice and the place to begin when you're in a moment of darkness, of pain, of trauma, of tragedy, of loss, whatever, you must begin by choosing that thing that is, that thing that's right in front of you, that feeling that you don't want to feel, choose it. And choose it as a place to begin, because until you do, if you are if you are perpetually in resistance, denial, avoidance, the thing won't go away. The thing doesn't go away. It's constantly there. You know, the old saying, what what we resist persists. It's true. 
It's absolutely true. So when we choose something, even if we hate it, even if we don't want it, we don't like it, it feels horrible, choose it. When we choose it, we the grip loosens and a path forward opens. And it seems so counterintuitive. The ego doesn't want to allow us to do that. Like leaning downhill when you're skiing, they tell you, That's lean right. forward, lean over the skis. I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> I'm right. at a 60 degree angle, trusting two planks of wood. <laughs> like gravity is telling me to go the other direction. And they That's say, right. trust and lean in. And, That's you carve, great. and when you do, you carve a yeah. turn. You know, you, you, you know. You move with the energy rather than fighting against it. That's a great analogy. And that's an analogy for relationships, for parenting, you know, for working with dogs and for just about (laughs) anything, (laughs) just about anything. Choice and the, the recognition that we are beings with agency that can choose in every moment. I choose every moment even the ones I don't like, that ability is a superpower. I like me a good superpower. So I have, it could be two separate questions. It could be something you choose to weave together. It will be dealer's choice you get to pick because (laughs) the the one thing that comes up is is legacy. You know, I, I hear you talk often about Um, Mm -hmm. looking, knowing that the road ahead is shorter than the road behind, Mm -hmm. knowing that you are the wise woman elder, that you have committed so much of your time and life, especially in most recent months in building that next generation, you know, Mm -hmm. really fostering the next generation of wise women, of wise elders and what that looks like. Um, so it's a combination question of what legacy means to you and what you want your legacy to be and what's coming and what's, because I think that they kind of go together. What's because you're constantly talking about your future plans and all the things that you are doing, which is mind blowing and amazing (laughs) to me. So what's coming down the pipeline? What I know that you're giving yourself a bit of a break over the summer to regenerate mm-hmm. and create and ideate mm-hmm. and all of that. But I also know you well enough to know that you're also looking ahead. So, yes, yes. So, um, there is a question in there around legacy, what's next, and all of that. And I will let you do, I will let you paint with those colors as you wish. Well, I think you did such a beautiful job of, of laying it all out. I mean, I think you just, set the table uh, by naming all of the things that I have done. Um, you know, I, I, I put up a post on my, uh, my Facebook feed a few days ago um, about the ripple effect. And uh, what I said was, when I die, I want the message on my a tombstone, although I don't plan to be buried, I plan to be cremated, but whatever message I leave behind, I want it to say, she made waves. Mm. And, you know, that I was a catalyst, I was an agent of disruption. That's what a wave is. 
you know, a wave disrupts the smooth sea, waves, waves rise and crash and people ride them and, you know, sea creatures swim in them and all of that. Um, but that ripple effect of, you know, you talked about being a billionaire, uh, that I, that I was a billionaire, that I, and it's not so much about the number as it is about the consciousness, the consciousness of, you know, my, my why that I was true, that I was in service to my purpose, that I was true to it, um, that I was in service to it. And that purpose is to make waves and create a ripple effect to cause, to be an agent, well, a midwife of consciousness. And I would love for that to be my legacy. And so I think that everything that I do is in service to that. So what's coming down the pike Um I'll be starting a new season of my own podcast in the fall. I'm kind of looking at how do I want to shape that? How do I, where do I want to take it? Um, And so that's always a fun, creative project for me. I'm loving and adoring the experience. Yeah, I don't know many, I don't, maybe there are a lot of 80-year-olds out there that are doing podcasts. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't know of any or many. Um, I also want to invite people into um, looking at their own legacy, you know, just to bring up, you know, you you ask the question of me and I ask the question of people. It's like, what is the legacy that you're living right now in the moment? Not necessarily what you leave behind when you're gone. I mean, that'll be whatever it is. But what are you living? Right? Is what is the what is your life wanting from you? Not what do you want from your life, but what is your life wanting from you? I think our lives leave a message. You know, they are a message. What's the message your life is inviting you? Who are you being invited by your life to be? What are you being invited by life to to create, to contribute, to be the source of? So in that that, um, sense, I am uh, just in the beginning stages, and I can't really say a whole lot about this yet, but I'm in the beginning stages of planning with a colleague, with another woman, uh, a woman's retreat in the fall, in person. And um, you know I'm going to be there. Oh, I know you're going. <laughs> of course you're going to be there. Of course you're going to be there. And Coming and bring in a posse. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So it's uh, it's uh, about the awakened woman. Mm. Because that feels, that's a strong call for me. I I feel really drawn to working with women, um, to supporting women just ripen and mature into their wise, 
full, ripe, juicy, creative, expressive selves. You know, that's the kind of work I want to be doing now in these years. Well, I um, I know the impact that you have had on my life. I have been witness to the impact that you have had on many people uh, around me. Uh, I have no doubt that this impact gets to continue. And I, uh, I, for one, am so deeply grateful that our paths crossed and that I get such a great blessing of calling you teacher, mentor, friend, um, really beloved to me. You are truly Aww. beloved to me. And uh, if a girl gets to have two moms without parental without parental divorce and getting other parents in that sort of way that people do of just coming, coming across, getting a chance to get a, get a, another mother figure in their life. Uh, I feel very, very, very blessed. And listeners, if you listeners, if you are not already listening to Judith's podcast, do yourself a favor. She, um, much like the format here, sometimes you get Judith's wisdom in delicious nuggets. Sometimes she is in conversation with other people, leading them through conversations of their impact and how they are living in the new beyond. How are they, how they are transforming into that space. Um, so her podcast is one place to find her. If you haven't read beyond the box, get it. I will have a link to the book. I'll have a link to the podcast. I'll have a link to do the site where I'm sure you will be able to get information about the retreat and all of the good things. And of course, don't forget to make sure that you are subscribed here so that you don't miss any juicy conversations like this one in the future. So for now, this is Kathy Brooks. Oh, let me this just, is, before you oh. sign off, let, let, <laughs> let me just, let me just wedge yeah. my way in here. Please Kathy. do. Yeah. Just to acknowledge you and thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being who you are in my life. I adore you. I adore how you are moving through these times of your life. Some hard chapters, some challenging chapters, you know, and moving with grace and, you know, with grit and grace, if you will. I, I just- That was a great I, episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want you to know that I see you. I love you. I adore you. And um, I hold you in very high esteem. Thank you. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I always make people cry. <laughs> but Judith, um, thank you again for everything. Um, this has been beautiful. And uh, listeners, come on back next week. Who knows what we'll be talking about? Hopefully it'll be this good. <laughs> of course it will. It always is. All right. Let's stop the recording. There. Stop the recording. We did it again. Another episode of Talk Unleashed. It's so great to have you here. And you know what would be even more great? If you could scoot over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, maybe even Spotify, and leave a review. Over on Apple, you actually have the chance to say a little bit about the episode. Spotify, just throw some stars on there, hopefully five. It helps us get seen and helps ensure that this conversation and conversations like it keep getting heard by the people who need to hear them. So do us a favor, hop on over and leave a review. 
and in the category of saying awesome things about awesome people, huge thanks to my producer, John McLean and the team at Monster Sound and Picture. They are just the best. And if you've got ideas or questions or feedback, I read all the email that comes in, so feel free to toss a message to talkunleashed at gmail.com. That's talkunleashed at gmail.com. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, who you want to hear from, all the groovy stuff. And most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening, for being part of the conversation, and for keeping the conversation going. See you next week. 